Welcome to the Federal Remote Worker Podcast Series, Part 3 on Unified Communications, hosted on Government Technology Insider. I'm your host, Matt Langan. About a year ago, you heard our first take on how the pandemic was changing unified communications throughout the federal government and the public sector. And today we're going to take a look back at what this year has brought and what new technologies are evolving how agencies stay connected. From virtual reality to collaboration tools, agencies have undergone immense changes, but it isn't stopping here. And joining us again today is Tim Stone, who is the Principal Consultant for Unified Communications and Mobility at Verizon, who will discuss this topic further. And Tim, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's start at the top, or actually, let's start looking back. So if you don't mind, take us back to last March when the COVID-19 pandemic first swept the nation. And how did the federal government adapt to remote conditions, especially in the DOD at that time? So initially, it was really a rapid crisis mode deployment of capacity. And capacity, I mean, circuits, compute capacity, building out VPN capability. And then over time, as we kind of got past the initial just craziness of building and building and building, more and more capabilities started to come online from cloud solutions. Companies like Microsoft and Cisco stepped up to do rapid onboarding activities for DOD and federal government customers and state and local government customers as well to allow them to use products like Teams and WebEx. And then you know, things kind of shifted from there to, okay, you know, we're putting all these tools in place. How do we ensure that we can sustain the utilization of these tools in a secure way? You know, so that was probably a good you know, three to four month process. I'd say probably kind of March timeframe was really when you know, the announcements were everybody pretty much had to work from home and the whole communication patterns changed. And I'd say probably May, June timeframe was kind of when we had the ability to start stepping back a little bit more and you know, really providing more and more robust capabilities. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for that rundown there. So, you know, in looking forward, from your opinion and what you're seeing out there, what technologies are set to evolve in the next year? And how is this technology being leveraged to continue remote mission delivery, which is obviously a very critical thing? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's kind of interesting because I think if we all think back, you know, maybe March, April, May, I think everybody was just very content to be able to communicate, period, right? You know, all the background noises, you know, families and pets walking around in the background. I was just part of the, you know, the deal, right? And then little by little, you know, all the kind of collaboration companies started came, coming up with more and more tools to refine things, right? You know, pretty much every one of them by last year had backgrounds, right? So like when people came on to the video conferences, you, you didn't see dirty laundry in the background. You saw you know, maybe a mocked up office environment or whatever people picked and people picking pubs, things like that. But yeah, that I think that's going to continue. Another area that really kind of evolved is a lot of the device manufacturers implemented AI-based type technology to filter out noise, right? So the those backgrounds, you know, kind of filtered out the, the uh, optical side of it. And from the microphone standpoint, uh, tools like sound fencing came about 
where the you could train the, the microphone to recognize your voice and it filters out background sounds like barking dogs, yelling children, and things of that sort. So I found that fairly interesting how you know, those tools evolved over you know, the months as, as we went deeper and deeper into the pandemic. Another, another area really is was more and more use of augmented reality and virtual reality and training. Those tools were always there, but they're being utilized more and more as organizations realize, you know, hey, folks aren't coming back into the training rooms anytime soon. We, we got to keep, you know, maintaining and evolving our human resources, right? So I think there's some of the biggest things I saw. Yeah, that's great. And certainly, yeah, I mean, the evolution of these solutions, I mean, it was so fast, like totally about how from backgrounds and then different systems that can filter out noise as well. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about the security aspect of these solutions. Have these evolved, especially when it comes to confidential information? Yes. And again, it's kind of interesting because really a lot of these tools have been around, but the, the pandemic forced organizations to adopt them much faster than they probably would have. And traditionally, right, the way that employees that work remotely gain access to corporate or government assets and tools is through a VPN. You, know, you, you sit at home, you start a client, and that creates a virtual tunnel across the internet to get inside the corporate or government security boundary. As cloud solutions were adopted, that model didn't really make much sense, right? Because those tools weren't coming from inside the corporate or government boundary. They're coming from third parties, you know, Microsoft and Amazon and Cisco, many other companies. So, you know, one of the things I have seen is a much more rapid adoption of what's called zero trust networking or zero trust architectures. And, and with zero trust in the most basic level is a model where really nothing's trusted is the best way to put it, where the assumption with a VPN is, I don't trust who's coming in, like everything inside's already good, right? Zero Trust says, I don't trust anything. So anything that has to talk to something else has to you know, identify and authenticate itself to create a very flexible security model. You know, some of the other areas really are just beefing up security policies, right? Where you know, security policies were all around, you know, kind of building this bubble around, you know, the government infrastructure or corporate infrastructure to keep, you know, the bad guys out. Uh, you know, now you had to have policies that defined how the, court, the things that are still inside that corporate bubble communicate with cloud resources and how employees interact with those cloud resources and also be able to utilize potentially tools that are still inside. So those things are happening over time, but you know, the sheer you know, requirement of you know, probably 90% of knowledge workers having to work from home drove corporations and you know, government entities to rapidly deploy these capabilities. 
Yeah, that's great. Appreciate those insights there. And also appreciate the time you spent with us today. And it's great to talk with you again. It was a year ago that we connected first about this. And for our last question today is, how do you see the American Rescue Plan continuing to evolve this space? Well, I see it in being utilized in several ways. At a really basic level, to continue investing in bandwidth and security tools, but also to equip employees that are working from home with better quality tools. You know, like the, the microphones with the intelligent sound sense, you know, they cost a lot more than the $19, you know, cheapo microphone that you might have had in the past. And, you know, the higher quality, you know, video cameras, you know, they can run up in the hundreds of dollars. And really what happened initially in the response to COVID is, Companies said you can't come in anymore. You know, almost fend for yourself, right? <laughs> it's like you have your laptop. You know, and I kind of see an ongoing investment in a recognition that you know this model of remote working is going to be sustained. You know, even after the health risks are gone, I don't see a return to the same workplace models that were there before. I mean, a much higher percentage of employees are going to have some type of more flexible work schedule and workplace. I think the other areas really, you know, from an equipment standpoint, it are really around larger displays and really simple things like keyboards and mouses and trackballs and the physical space, you know, seating, right? You know, uh, companies invest a lot of money in office furniture and chairs. Right. And if people are going to stay home, they're going to demand to have, you know, those orthopedically safe, you know, seating arrangements and things of that sort. So I, I kind of see that, you know, the funding you're trickling down and out, you know, where last year it was really a lot of money being spent on core capabilities and being able to migrate to the cloud. A lot of that will continue, but I really do think that a lot of that money is going to start trickling down to the end users to give them better tools to be more effective and more comfortable and more safe and you know working at home. All right, excellent. This concludes this episode of the Federal Remote Worker Podcast Series Part 3 on Unified Communications hosted on Government Technology Insider, where Tim Stone, who is the Principal Consultant for Unified Communications and Mobility at Verizon, provided his insights into how unified communications throughout the federal government and the public sector has changed due to the pandemic and what really lies ahead in the future. And Tim, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you.